I only know one way. That's the Padre way. I'm proud as heck to be a San Diego Padre. I played for one team. I played in one town. Smith is ready. Win waiting to pitch. There's a drive. Right center field. Base hit. And there it is. Ho-ho, doctor. You can hang a star on that, baby. A star for the ages for Tony Gwynn. Number 3,000. Broadcasting from America's finest digital studios, this is the 5.5 Podcast. Today, the guys talk about the return of Luis Perdomo. They'll talk about the outfield situation, and they'll tell you who is the biggest bitch on Padres Twitter. Here are your hosts, Danny Ortiz and Eric LeBoo. And welcome back, everybody, to this week's edition of the 5.5 Podcast. I am your host, Danny Ortiz, as always, flanked. By Eric LeBou. Welcome back, Eric. Flank, that made me think of steak, and now I'm hungry. That sounds delicious. Shout out Padres Meat Twitter. Yes, I would love a steak right about now. Um, anyways, we're going to, as usual, jump as, right as into As the Harley gets fired up right outside, this Jesus, is of all the timing in the world. Hey, we're podcasting here! For damn it! God's sakes. Where's that South Park episode when you need it? <laughs> Get away from the studio. All right, Go play left. that one episode where I said that one thing. <laughs> yeah, he left. Anyways. So what's going on, man? Uh, not much. Not Padres much. have been great since they DFA'd Chase Headley, by the way. They I just have. want to point that out. Yes, they have. In fact, um, although, although, uh, good old Papa Bark throwing a wrench in there saying ever since he said, I might be a Padres fan, they've been on fire as well. Uh, Franchi Cordero just hit a 450-foot home run yeah. at 111 miles an hour right as we were coming on uh, on studio here. So that's I'm exciting. I'm going to and say that he got all of it. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was too high, personally, but what can you do? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we'll jump right into it. The uh, the hot question of late, since especially since Darren Balsley was on 1090, he was on the Darren Smith show, I think he told me? Yep. Yeah, ever since he had a, an interview there, uh, people have been asking, where the fuck is Perdomo? That's a great question. That is a great question. You know what? When Lucchese went down with his glute, or as uh, Mens Rea says, his butt cheeks. <laughs> his butt cheeks are hurt. Um, when... <laughs> When he went down for that, it was, it was a question of, okay, so how are they going to do his next spot in the rotation? Well, what they ended up doing last night was throwing Robbie Erlin out there, big game Bob. <laughs> big game Bob! And he and we got smoked. You know, they lost 10-2. to two. So um, I was thinking the whole time, I was sitting there, I was like, wow, I mean, that's kind of weird. You have Perdomo sitting there. I mean, he's put up good numbers in AAA. I wonder, maybe, maybe he just threw the day before. Well, oh. guess what? Perdomo threw yesterday. So they could have called him up to start there. So I don't know... Uh, Balsley goes on with Darren Smith, and he says, hey, you know, to this point, Perdomo's done everything that we've, that we've asked him to do. So my question is, why don't you bring him back up, dude? you got an absolute dumpster fire. Don't If they throw Robbie Erlin again, awful. Abs- I, I refuse to watch. Big, I refuse to watch. Big game Bob. He that is sucks, amazing. dude. He, he is. sucks. He is. He is Eric Lauer and Joey Lucchese's floor. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they could be. If he, I mean, throw him out of the bullpen, fine. Okay, but like as a starter, I do not want to see him starting games. Like, No, I don't either. He's, it's he's, awful. I mean, he is what he is. your sixth starter, right? Yeah. He's your sixth starter or he's your seventh or eighth guy in the bullpen. Um, I don't know. I mean, they, did they really did they come out and say when they demoted Perdomo? I know that they want to work on his confidence, but did they come out and say specifically what they wanted to see him work on, like more you know forcing fastball usage or better command of his sinker? I don't recall them actually. I wish they came out with parameters so we knew what the hell was going on, but I feel like they don't. I'm sure. I mean, obviously they told him what he needs to work on. Sure. Um, but I mean, they're not really going to make that public. That's true. But unfortunately, for from us. what we've heard from sources who have sources. Um, that they wanted sources. him to. They want him to work on his confidence. But I mean, 
come on, dude. Like, and that's the thing that that you were saying before we started recording is you want to see how Perdomo does uh, once he goes again through the people in the PCL. Yes, know? exactly. So uh, once teams start to see him a second time, but you know, at at that point. I mean, I don't know, man. If, if Ballsley's saying that he is working on everything we told him to work on, then that kind of tells me that, hey, he's ready to come back up. I don't care how many times he sees people in the PCL. I don't I don't care. I think there's some value in that because I think part of the problem with Perdomo right now is that when he gets in the league, there's already this scouting report on him, so you already know what to expect. So it'd be, I, I would be open to seeing him go through the league a couple of times just to see how he does. Um, but, I mean, at this point, you know, they don't, they don't need him, and he is getting time in. I think he's in double-A. Um, and he's doing well. He's got a 281 ERA. He's doing Who's that? Perdomo? Perdomo. Is double no, A or triple A? Is he? He's in El Paso. Oh. Putting these numbers up in El Paso, by yeah, the way, in the PCL. Very impressive. Um, I don't know if they have his ground ball rate. That'd be interesting. I'm going to try to find it right now because I have his uh, fan graph page up. But um, 281 ERA. He's thrown 41 and two-thirds innings. He's got a 1.9 uh, walk rate per nine. And then uh, striking out just under eight per nine. So he's having... Um, Really, a, a pretty good year. So at least down there. So I I could understand why you want to bring him back up. And at this point, yeah. I, it, again, we're we're back into. I know they're not saying it like they were last year, but oh, we're going to develop and give guys a chance, you know. But it is very much a developmental year. You know, Brian Mitchell is absolute garbage. I think he's shown enough to know that, you know, there's probably nothing there. At least not with us. Um, I wouldn't mind bringing Perdomo up and giving him a shot because I. It goes back to the question of who is the future of the ball club. I don't, exactly. I don't buy into the whole. Well, they're earning playing time. That's that's not the approach I think you take because that's how that's like Perella earned playing time last year, and he's been given this incredibly long leash. Mm. When you have other guys you could be playing that have either more value now or in the future of this organization than him. So my question is, who who has a chance to have long term value to be a part of the future? It sure as hell ain't Robbie Erlin. It sure as hell ain't Brian Mitchell. It might have been, but he was given his opportunity and he flopped. So I would be okay with them bringing up Perdomo. I'd what like happened to see to that sick stuff that Robbie Erlin had? He throws hard, and he's got a decent curveball and a cutter, but he can't throw strikes. You don't know what I'm talking about. So no. Menzray retweeted uh, Kevin Acey from spring training. Kevin Acey's like, hey, oh. Robbie Erlin on the backfield. Man, he has sick stuff. <laughs> and so he retweeted <laughs> yesterday when they're getting smoked. But uh, Perdomo's producing a 55.8 ground ball rate in uh in El Paso. So maybe that's what they wanted him to work on because here his career ground ball rate is 59%. When he was up here, he was under 40, at 38. Okay. But he's gotten back up to 55, almost 56 in AAA. So I'm assuming Ma- that means just keep the ball low in the zone. Pretty much. I mean, he's a sinker slider guy, right? right? Sinker slider cutter type of guy. He doesn't throw it straight. So I would assume the idea going down there was, hey, work on keeping the ball down. And, you know, maybe that's maybe that's what they wanted to see out of him. But so if that's what he's working on, he's had what six starts down there. Yeah, I believe so. So then seeing people a second time through is irrelevant. Maybe, is maybe not? not. I mean, I don't mind it because then you know because then the scouting report gets out. But at the same time, it comes down to is he a part of the future or is he a part of the or is he just going to be you know a fill in right? He's not a fill-in. I think he has a chance to be here as a part of the future, or as, at least as a piece. Well, whether it's as a starter, as a bullpen guy, I think yeah. so. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I would. He's done what he's needed to do. He's put up good numbers down there. I'm a okay with him coming up and developing again at this level. I, I think, I think he's he's earned it uh, from a standpoint of numbers, and he's younger. You know, he's not freaking Robbie Erlin. So, <laughs> uh, speaking of earning it, 
Um, got a nice discussion with good old Patrick Brewer of the EVT uh, famed podcast. Now, I didn't see this. So you're going to have to fill me in on that. Okay. so Normally, he, I'm all over Twitter, and I, every time I see that, I'm scrolling down. Even if I'm not involved, I'll read it and keep up, but I didn't see this. So. Sure. So, Patrick's initial question, from what I recall, I'm not going to dig deep and pull it up, but his initial question was, how long do you give Margot, and what is Jankowski potentially a future piece? I'm ad-libbing. I don't know if that's exactly what it was, but we got in discussion about you know, between the two. And it really just came down to, you know, are you in on Jankowski? Are you buying him for real? And do you think Margot should go to AAA? Or maybe, you know, do you go with Jankowski over Margot at this point? My answer is a hard no, but I want to hear your take on it. What do you think? Well, my take is that Jankowski has been good for one month. Not but even. He's only played like 15 20 or games. 20 games. He's played, he's played in 20 games. So we'll say, we'll, come on, give, give me a month. He's been good for one month, okay? Who else was good for one month and then fell off a cliff for a little bit? Jesus Guzman? Villanueva. Well, Villanueva. He <laughs> fell off a cliff. He's coming back now. But remember uh, Villanueva in, in April. He fought, he goes off, right? And he's the uh, the player of the month at third base. And yeah. we're all Rookie sitting there. Rookie of the month while Rookie of the month just sitting there jacking ourselves off, right? And then he goes over 36. It's like, oh, man. And then he kind of evens out to what he's probably going to be. I feel like that's what Jankowski's going to be. I still I feel like if they try to trade him right now, there's no market for Jankowski. No. He doesn't really bring much to the table. I agree with you. I don't and care I, what his slash line is right now. I, I don't give a shit. I care that he's hitting well over 400 on balls in play, and his hard hit contact rate, last I checked, had been you know on uh, on decline compared to last year. And that was my, my biggest thing with Margot is that... So what does that tell you about those numbers then? Exactly. They, they, they're incredibly he's, inflated. Exactly. So my thing with, with when I was discussing with Patrick on Twitter is that you know the idea of sending Margot down, there's nothing he's doing up here... That he's going to do in AAA, it's going to change anything. Like if he was hacking at everything, he's striking out at an alarming rate. You know, he's not he's not laying off of pitches or anything like that. He's not hitting the ball hard. Okay, yeah, maybe you send him down and you try to you know overhaul the approach over a couple of months, kind of like they tried to do with Renfro for a couple of weeks last year, right? Right. Margot, when I looked it up, is swinging at less pitches outside of the zone, so he's he's a little bit more selective. He's swinging in general less because of that. So he's more selective. I already mentioned it a couple episodes ago. He's pulling the ball more. He's hitting the ball harder. So his medium and hard hit contact rates are up. His soft hit contact rates are down. And he, again, he's, he's batting two something on, on Babbitt. You know, Patrick had mentioned it can't just be bad luck. Well, what the hell else is it? Because at this point he's not doing anything inherently wrong. He's not a walks machine. You know, and and I know Jankowski's always been good with walks. He's cut down on his uh, you know swings outside the zone as well. But Jankowski's also like four years older, and at this point, at 22, Jankowski was playing in like Double A, exactly, or, or 23s in Double A. You know, whereas Margot is already off one rookie year. If you want to look at value wise, you know Jankowski's played 30 or something more games than Margot, and has been worth about as much WAR as Margot has. Yeah. With 30 more games and then Margot was worth last year. Margot was a two and a half one player last year in a, about three quarters of a season. So, and to me, that's his floor. I think he's a two to three win player at best. I think this is Jankowski peaking. I think he's a wet paper, uh, wet newspaper bat, and he just happens to be getting lucky on balls in play. He's going to even back out to where he's just that same ground ball, soft hit, punchless, you know, fifth outfielder who's amazing on defense. He's absolutely amazing. Well, yeah, I mean, when, when you sit there and you see Jankowski and you, you look at his numbers and it's like, wow, like, look at that slash line. It's like, man, what is he doing different? And then you look at, at the Babbitt and he's sitting there and the balls are falling for him and they're not falling for Margot. You know what that is, Danny? That's baseball. 
as Bud Black would say, <laughs> that's baseball. Are you going to do your fucking uh, clap and your old yeah. fist, your fist pump? Yeah, that's baseball. You know, balls are eventually going to start falling for Margot. Yeah. He's batting I'm, 440 on balls in play. This is Jankowski, 440 on balls in play. That's I mean, not going to hold. By the way, everyone jacking themselves off to Buddy Reed. He has a high bat of balls, or he did last time we checked at least. So, so check, chill. Check this out. For his career, Jan Ka- last year Jankowski had a 36 per- 36.7. We'll just round up. We'll say 30%, 37% of the contact he made was hard contact. The year before that, 24. It's 18 this year. Yeah. 18. His, so there's nothing other than luck his that medi- you can attribute to Jankowski. His medium contact rate compared to his career is up 7%. His soft contact is up about 2 or 3%. So I don't understand how anybody can see this as anything other than just a mirage. Like, he's not a bad player. I think he's a major league player. But he's like that back in like fringe major leaguer, right? If he played any other position, if he wasn't capable of playing center field, he's a he's not a major leaguer. It's that's why Matt. That's why Caesar's on the roster. Matt Caesar. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm waiting for them to get rid of him. By the way, yeah, I, I am, think he's gonna be the casualty once Renfro and Myers come back. I agree. Um, but that's the he will only, not be missed. No, he will not be. But the only reason Caesar has a job is because he can play center field. If he was Renfro. You know, and he can only play corner outfielder, putting up those, you know, that that little of offense. At least from a power standpoint, he'd be toast. Yeah. Like nobody in their right mind would give him a major league roster spot. He'd have no value. Um, in terms of pulling the ball, he's pulling the ball less, so he's hitting the ball a little bit more the opposite way, more up the middle, which is fine. But again, to me, the quality of contact just isn't there to sustain what he's doing. And I don't think you take how many games does he play? He played twenty games. He's played twenty games. Today's game twenty-one. I don't think you take that and go, okay, we think that we actually have something here. I think He's a future piece now. Yeah, I, I think, I mentioned Leisure Fryer, I mentioned like, oh, look what he's doing now. It's like, well, what's more telling? The 15 or 20 games we're seeing right now or the 212 he's played where he's posted a 322 slugging and a 324 on base? With with how much teams have access to numbers that even you... And scouting would, reports and yeah, all that. Scouting yeah, scouting reports and even... I mean, you just sit here with some random-ass Joe Schmo. You know, if you have access to these numbers and you're able to put it together like this, it's I don't see any possible way where the Padres could fool another team into taking Jankowski off their hands. But I agree. if someone offers us anything of value, like a, a, a lottery ticket, a patented Perler lottery ticket, I'm taking that, dude. Yeah, absolutely. I'm here's, taking it and running with it. Here's some more food for thought on why Jankowski is nothing more than you dying of a heat stroke out in the Sahara with no water. He's got... A 68% ground ball rate. I wish he would bring that up by 1%. <laughs> That's what I I might like him a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and his his line drive rate is 18%. Career Last year it was 25%. His career is 20 oh. His career ground ball rate is 61 All he's doing is pulling the Willie Mays haze and hitting a ball on the ground. <laughs> the difference between that and now is that that movie came out at a time where we didn't have advanced metrics like we do now. True. What we have now is, is factual evidence that says... Hitting the ball on the ground equals more outs. There is a reason why you tell a pitcher, hey, you know, stay down in the zone. You know, get yourself a ground ball. More than likely, a ground ball is going to end up in an out. He's not going to hold, and I'm not sacrificing even playing time for Fran Mill Reyes to get Jankowski in the lineup. Really? Even for Reyes? Not even. No. No. Not even. Because the way I look at it, Reyes is what, 22? Yeah. So, worst case, we talked about this on air. I said, worst case scenario for, for Reyes and, and Cordero, how are we going to get these guys in the lineup? I'd mention this for Renfro. Worst case scenario, Cordero and uh, Reyes or Renfro, whoever works out, um, end up in a very good above average platoon, right? In in total, you know, they they give you 600 plate appearances. Franchi probably gets 400 of them or so, or you know, 
350 or whatever, mm-hmm. but they make up a platoon that gives you above average major league production. Kind of like what we got with Venable and Denorfia, right? That was a great yeah. platoon. Yeah, well, above so. average production on an everyday basis. So I can see that happening, but I'm more willing to figure it out with, with uh, Fran Mill going out there in right field every day and just letting him have at it while benching Jankowski and using him for what he is. A backup outfielder. He's a perfect fourth outfielder. Perfect fourth or fifth outfielder. He can play all three positions. He can play him well. He gets on base. He does get on base. He's always done that. Yeah, he, he draws can, a lot of walks. He can come in late in the game. You, you get Franmil gets on base in the eighth. You're you're down by a run. Um, Franmil gets walked because he has decent plate discipline. Yeah. He gets walked. He's on first. Guess what? You put in Jankowski, he swipes you a bag, and then he scores on a single. Agreed. I mean, but Padres yeah. can't hit for shit with runners in scoring position. But ideally... Ideally, that's what happened. Then guess what? You go out the, the bottom of the eighth or the bottom of the ninth, and you have Jankowski in the outfield in place of yeah. Ramiro Reyes. He's perfect as a fourth outfielder. Absolutely. But anything more than that, we, we should pump the brakes. I agree. And, and I mean, I'll, I'll be honest about Margot. He's not hitting the ball from a line drive standpoint. He's not hitting as many line drives. He is hitting more ground balls. He is hitting the ball harder. but So is Perella, but he's still in that three-hole. He is, but Perella's difference is that... I wonder what his BABIP is. I should look it up because it's, I'm curious as to how look you... Look it up, Larry. Stay on Margot right now. I, I am staying on Margot, <laughs> but the thing is, it just shows you, right? Like, Jankowski is hitting... For every 100 balls in play, Jankowski is hitting 17 more ground balls than Margot, but yet his his batting average on balls in play is like 200 points higher. It's you know what obscene. that tells me? That's elite bat control. <laughs> Elite. I think that's elite bullshit is what it is. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I, I like I said, I, I like Jankowski. You know, if they didn't have any other options, if this was like the year before that, you know, the year, the full, the, the only real year he got to play was that year um, where they had the All-Star game here, right? Like after they traded Kemp yeah. and Upton and, you know, J- and John Jay was hurt. Like that was the year Travis Jankowski really got a chance to play every day. But I think that's his ceiling. A one, a two-win player because he has no power and he only has value because of his defense – but if you're playing corner outfield, you got to hit, man. And yeah. he's just—he's not going to post a 440 on base yeah. or a 440—you uh, know—average uh, on balls in play. And I'm not sacrificing at bats to two guys, you know, in their early 20s uh, because I think Cordero's left field is pretty much his. True. But I'm not and sacrificing. Yeah, I agree. But I'm not sacrificing, you know, the other two kids in their early 20s, Reyes and Margot, to play a 27-year-old or soon to be 27-year-old who's probably already a fourth or fifth outfielder. Exactly. And, and I think them playing Reyes a lot, seemingly, since he's been up, even though Jankowski's been quote-unquote hot, I think is extremely telling. But I, I do think they need to run Margot out there. Because AAA's not going to... What's AAA going to tell him? Nothing. It's no. not going to It's not gonna tell him, okay, you have to learn how to hit the ball before the fielder catches it. There's no way. You, you just got to keep running with him and let him get through it up here. Yeah, and we have the game on in the background, and uh, Jankowski just got K'd by Hellickson, so hold this L. <laughs> Go, go ahead and go right back to the bench there, Jankowski. Perella's matching his bat up from last year, by the way, at uh, 343. So that really? explains that explains the luck on the high batting average because it's amazing. Um, he's also hitting ground balls 10% more of the time, so that's great. Yeah, and and dude, Green insists on putting him in either the three-hole or the four-hole. I, I think you're right. Did you? I don't know if you said it on air um, or not, but I, know, I remember you saying that uh, – you think it's because he made those uh, Urias comments about, yeah, we would love to have him. Oh, up that was Menzraya. Oh, was it Menzraya? Yeah. I dude, always Menzraya is my favorite follow on Twitter. I'll so he's right the now. one that said like he thinks that Andy Green, after he, making those comments, is just sticking it to him by batting yeah. Pearl at third until they give him Urias. Yeah, he said that's as a brilliant. Joke. He's like, he's like, oh, you don't want to give me Urias? Fuck you! I'm putting Pearl in the three hole. I mean, he might <laughs> that be is right. So great. Dude. I mean, he might be right because at this point, it's like what? And Pirello, don't get me wrong, Pirello is not having an awful season. Like he's not. 
he is not going up there giving you automatic outs. He hasn't he's hit a, a backup run. at best. I think so. I think he's yeah. He's like that utility. He's what they want a Swahe to be a contact hitter who a contact esque hitter because he he does strike out but not a, not egregiously. But a guy he's a decent walk rate, so he's drawing some walks. He makes contact. He can play left. He can play right. He can play first and second in a pinch if you need it. Well, he's been playing a lot of second actually. Um, but he's been replacement level to this point, which is basically a backup. He's a fringe major leaguer, so that's fine. But I do think maybe there is some truth that Andrew Green is like, I have this really young player, Green, and we'll get into this with our Twitter uh, Q&A later, <laughs> but Green, for all his faults, does play the younger guys a little bit more avidly than you know our previous uh, regimes, and I'm talking both Black and Bochi. Right. Um, so I, I would imagine he sees Urias like, man, this kid's good. I wish I had him on my team, mm-hmm. but I've got Jose fucking Perella. I'm just going <laughs> to run him out there at second, no less, yeah. just to see how bad he is and see how long they'll fucking take it. Before they give me the guy I really want. Yeah. Now, before we uh, get into the Padre Twitter segment and whatever else. By the way, per uh, defensive run save, Perella's four runs above average, and even ultimate zone rating likes him. So apparently, very really? small sample size. He does. He actually grades out pretty pretty solid at second base, and a really small sample size. Eat it, Marvel. <laughs> Sorry. Um, before we get to Padre Twitter segment, when because uh, Renfro's on his rehab assignment right now, yeah. uh, Myers is probably going to be out another couple weeks. Um, what do you do when they come back? Will Myers, third baseman? <laughs> Get the fuck out of here, dude. But what do you do with them well, when they come back? Because think about the outfitters. Renfro, Myers, Reyes, Margot, Jankowski, Cordero, Caesar. That's seven guys. This is why I didn't want to bring up Reyes right now, because you don't really have a place for him once those guys come up. Yeah. So I, Myers has to play every day. Because one of two things that happen. He's going to find it. And he was doing pretty well when he was here. Yeah. Um, but either he has to find it, and he plays well or whatever, and you get the Myers that you know we, we think we can get, above average player, above average hitter. Um, and honestly, I, I think I think you're right about Caesar getting cut um, or DFA. Yeah, I think he's gone. Um, but I, honestly, I, they're going to have to figure out what they want to do with, with, uh, with uh, Reyes. For me, for me, Renfro's out of a spot. Really? Renfro's well, out of a spot. Yeah. Uh, you mean Renfro? Um, Renfro's out of a spot in favor of Reyes. Correct. You're he's out of a spot. Period. Like well, I, he's not. Yeah. A, he doesn't do enough to be a backup off the bench. I think you flip him to a team that is willing to take a shot on him and give you something decent. You know, we'll yeah, but, take. You can take our failed prospect who hasn't done much or done what we thought he was going to, and we'll take yours. That's the only. That's the because the idea of oh, let him play up here, let him build value. He teams aren't stupid. They're not. If, if he has a good two week run, teams aren't dumb. They're right. not just gonna say. Oh, this guy's hitting well, you know, opposite of his track record and all these scouting reports we have from since he was in college. So let's go ahead and trade something valuable. They're not going to do that. Yeah, they're not going to do that. Yeah, I mean, you're definitely, definitely not going to, definitely not going to fool anyone. God, dude. Speaking of 2019 free agents, Bryce Harper launched one out to center field. We were very, we were joking, and I know this is blasphemy for Padre fans because Tony Gwynn was the batting average king, but he's, a, he's, you know, he's one of those special players. Overall, batting average is not particularly telling of your overall production. So Eric, I made a joke to Eric. I was like, there's probably people bitching that Bryce Harper's hitting 234 and how overrated he is. Right. Until you see his on-base percentage is like 390 and he's slugging f- over 500. He had an OPS of uh, 920 something and he just took Lauer very deep, yeah. very gone. 86 right down the dick. Man, Lauer is not looking good, dude. He's whatever. You think they're going to send him down? No. What the hell is he going to do now? But that's the thing. That's another thing about Lauer is you have Lauer who's up here, and he hasn't looked great. Well, I mean, he's he's thrown a good start. Was he in the fifth inning right now? Yeah, he's almost four and two-thirds. Okay. I mean, that's fine. But I 
I wouldn't mind. I want to see Perdomo again, man. I, I do too. I, I do too. But to, to their credit, Perdomo did get like two years <laughs> in a month. True. And and never really hit a stride. So. Yeah, that is true. Um, and I mean, Lauer still has a chance to be a part of the future. I still yeah. think. I still think so. So yeah. Myers hadn't drawn a walk by the way when he got hurt. He was posting at three hundred on base uh, and three hundred average. He's slugging four fifty. When he comes so, back, I mean, your outfield has to be Cordero, Margot, and Myers. Yes, every this is, game. This is right? why I want the DH so badly. Yeah, because then Reyes could play. You can just rotate a lot of those guys. I've, I honestly feel like I think Reyes is just going to go down AAA until they find a trade a trade partner. Yeah, I agree. I feel like he's going to be a trade piece. Him and Naylor. Oh, I got a lot to say about Naylor <laughs> uh, a little bit. But uh, him and Naylor, do I feel like they're going to be they're going to be traded off? There's no spot for him anymore. Naylor's not in left. Okay, I'll get to Naylor in a little bit. Um, do you have anything before you want to get into the Padre Twitter segment? Uh, no, no, that's uh, that's going to be about it. We're pretty thin on some material, so uh, we'll just go ahead and uh, jump right into it. Um, I appreciate you saying that. Um, let's go. On, let me go on the first question because I really like this one. This is from at Family Man Bro. This is probably my favorite question. Um, he doesn't have a name. It's just an elf. So I guess we'll call him Elf. Elf. Yeah. Elf. Yeah, that works. Thanks, Elf. Is Andy Green just Bud Black with a wider array of cliches and less experience? I yes. Maybe, maybe I don't. No. At the end of the day, like I only here's where I come in with my flip flop stance, and how do I put this into words? I only think that the manager matters when I'm pissed off at him. <laughs> but other than that, I think managers have little to no impact on the actual games. I agree to a point. I think managers use uh, with bullpen usage has more of an impact. But Black was, but Black was too much of a robot. With, right. with bullpen usage. He was too... I, I forget the word, um, but he was too... Um, it's not static. What's that word? I don't know. Anyways. Anywho. He was too, okay, this is my formula, right? He's very formulaic. Whereas Andy Green, to me, is a little bit more open and moving guys in and out. Um, you know, he'll bring Brad Hannon in the eighth if he needs to, or he'll bring Kirby Yates in the fucking fifth if he feels like he needs to get an out. Um, I think in terms of like how he runs the lineup, I know people complain, oh, he changes the lineup. Guess what, guys? You were saying the same shit when Bud Black was here, and you were saying the same shit when Bruce Bochy was here. You are probably saying the same shit when Jim Riggleman was here. <laughs> so the reality is every manager uses a heap ton of lineups, every single one. It doesn't matter how good they are. Joe Madden, all of them. Yeah, so, I was going to say, everyone's falling over themselves for Joe Madden, and he has so many different lineups. They would hate Joe Madden here yeah. for his. Can you imagine Joe Madden? Hosmer would be leading. Joe, off. I was just gonna say yeah. Madden would lead Hosmer off. Oh yeah, and people and would people lose would, their shit. They would shit their pants. Yeah. So I, every manager has different lineups. What I do like about Andy Green that Bud Black didn't really do is that Green does typically bunch all of his best hitters together. Like uh, Black would put like guys like he bat Jeff Blum second. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like I could see Andy Green. You know, he did bat Will Myers. Uh, Bud Black did. You know, bat him lead off that that year. They tried to go for it, and then he batted him second for a little bit. But like, I like that Andy Green like doesn't put Hosmer in the old traditional number three spot. He's like, this guy's the best hitter. Just give him every at bat you can. You know, I like that. I like that he's moved Cordero up in the lineup. You know, Via Nueva he'll bat. You know, uh, fourth. I, I like that he clumps all the better hitters together. Whereas Phil Bud Black, um, it took a while for him to kind of get away from that the rigid. He's very rigid in how he managed it. He had a certain way. He wanted to do it that way. And it took a little while for guys uh, to get moved up in the lineup. Um, Adrian Gonzalez was a fr- prime example of that. Uh, him, him and Bochi. were uh, were Bo- so? Where Bochi was batting like Gonzalez. Gonzalez was like their best hitter that year. Like, what, they get him 06, 05? 05 or 06, they got him. I believe 05. And he was fucking raking. And he was batting like sixth every game. It's like, 
the guy's been hitting for like a week or a month. Move him up. Put him in the three spot or the four spot. So Gonzalez was 06. Sorry. Was he? I, whatever. Uh, One of the two. I think you're right, because 05 is when they went 82 and 80, and Klesko was on that team. True. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was his oh, last year. But, um, no, I mean, Green to me is more like, okay, Cordero came up. He's batting like in the six hole. You know, uh, Villanueva is batting a little bit lower in the lineup. Fuck me, they're hitting. Move on up, boys. There has to be a reason, and I don't mean to keep beating this drum, but there has to be a reason why he insists on putting Perella in the three or four hole. It drives me nuts. He had Margot leading off. And then he's like, oh, well, you know, Margot's not hitting. Let's go ahead and drop him down to the 7th or the 8th hole. And, you know, he moves everyone around. He's moved Hosmer around. The every two, guy the does it. Every single – well, the thing is, every it feels like every single person in this lineup has been moved around, with the exception of Jose Perella. Yeah. Like, I don't understand why he's taking Perella. He's sitting there, like I said before, he's taking a square peg and trying to shove it into a round hole by putting Perella in a three-hole and a four-hole, and it drives me nuts. I know. And it, it makes me hate Perella even more. I mean, more. in our reality, you know, he's not wrong to do it. If you just want to go by, like, OPS on base plus slugging, Perella is, I mean, per baseball reference, qualified guys are fourth best hitter. And he's been leading off Jankowski, which... While the fucking iron's hot, put him at the leadoff spot, right? Get him in front of Hosmer, who is still doing very, very well, by the way, Mr. Eric Hosmer. Um, so I, I don't mind him hitting that high in the lineup. I do think that Margot needs to get as many reps as he can. So I understand, you know, I, I would want to see him leading off. But I honestly, I just want to see him playing every day. Just let him play every day. I don't care so much if he's leading off or not. If it's going to take, if it's mentally going to be easier for him to kind of just get through this rough spot then bat him fucking 6th or 7th or 8th. But don't, don't hit him behind or in front of fucking or uh, behind uh, Galvis, who's been awful. Yeah, um, Galvis give him trash. Try to give him as many reps as you can. But um, in terms of the same, I I, I hated Bud Black. Um, I have a bigger appreciation for Bochi, but I couldn't stand Bud Black. I couldn't stand his his god-awful reasoning for lineups. You know, he bat Will Venable too. <laughs> and his fucking logic behind it was, well, you know, if Cabby Cabrera ever gets on, if Cabby gets on... You know, that opens up the hole at second, which means Will can pull a ground ball through the hole and get Cabby to third. And I'm thinking in my head, you are so overthinking this that there's no guarantee that Cabrera's going to get on, number one. And number two, you are hoping for a context-dependent play. Like, what are the chances statistically that Will Venable's going to hit a ground ball with Cabrera on first right through the hole? Like, statistically speaking, it's got to be highly unlikely. And you're going to give this guy the second most at-bats and arguably the most at-bats with a guy on base Yeah. for one context-dependent situation that may or may not pan out a couple times a week. Yeah, it's insane. The best was when he batted uh, his ground doll's debut game in Colorado. Oh, yeah, two homers. Yeah, where he put Cabrera at the leadoff. And Cabrera was deserved the leadoff at that point. Uh, but then he put Amarista, too, and he had him on the national broadcast you know, and he's like justifying a lot. Well, you know, got to get Cabby at the leadoff field. Whole, you know, he's leading off here. He's going to get on, get a stolen base for us, you know, score a run. Uh, you know, we're going to get uh, Amarista in the two hole. He's going to do the same thing, get on base, you know, still bag, score a run. And I'm like, Amarista has a 280 career on base percentage. He's not going anywhere except back to the dugout. Yeah. You idiot. Danny it's stuff hates like that. Black. Oh, God. I could not stand Dud Black. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, he also suplexed our fucking playoff hopes away yeah, when he, he threw Milton Bradley on the floor. That jerk. Let's move on to the next question before I blow a gasket. Yeah. You know, also, one thing I want to point out is us and our little ratty podcast, we got more legit baseball questions than Kevin Acey did in his mailbag. We did get our I first uh, Why Was Mike D fired, we though. We got like three. We got three Why Are Mike D fired. And you know what? Honestly, like, we open ourselves wide open to that because I'm, one of, the, I'm <laughs> one of the main dudes that as soon as uh, anyone – 
uh, posts anything, whether it's the Padres or Kevin Acey, if I see an, uh, an opening, I'm going to fucking drop in a, hey, why was Mike D fired? So, Do we have breaking news, by the way? Perello's on second. Did he double, I wonder? Did he finally get an extra base hit? I don't know. I was actually paying attention to our show. <laughs> As am I. I and paying to attention around. to the, uh, the questions that we have here. But um, Luke... Uh, Good old at, Luke. At Luke Kelly, he asked us about the, uh, you know, the same thing that we opened up with. What's Perdomo still doing in El Paso uh, while Robbie Erlin's taking starts? We appreciate him asking. Dingoes like Robbie Erlin. Dingoes, yeah, dingoes. <laughs> so, um, yeah, a few, pe- quite a few people reached out. I mean, we we're not gonna get to every single one of them, but a few of the favorites here. Oh, John Conniff asked us why Mike D was fired. That's great. <laughs> uh, Ryan at Ryan M tweets uh, one of the. OGs of hashtag Padres meat Twitter. He asked, what's for Din Din? Is it meat? It better be. What are you having for dinner tonight? Uh, I am going to have, uh, I'm still doing my keto thing, so mm-hmm. I will have uh, four scrambled eggs with the 80-20 uh, ground beef, uh, four strips of bacon, fried in butter. Hashtag Padres meat Twitter. Oh, and there's some spinach in there because, you know, I want a shit solid, so. <laughs> what I am having for dinner tonight. Ooh! Oh I, my gosh, those are so fucking good. I am no longer doing keto. No, so, you're not. Uh, since the wife will be stuck in the room when she gets home because it's a big podcast night here at the studio. That's right. Um, we have Justin coming over to do his podcast after this. I have straight out of Costco rice gourmet grilled chicken teriyaki bowl for dinner. Hey, hey, don't 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 doubt the teriyaki bowls from Costco. Very very good. Underrated, I might add. Second only to their ready-made uh, oven ready-made pizzas. So, low and slow, 5 minutes in the microwave. Low and slow, Hans. <laughs> That's uh, what the missus is going to be uh yep. looking forward to tonight. Low too. and slow, 5 minutes in the microwave. Let, let it sit for 1 minute and you're good to go, man. So that's what's for dinner for me tonight. Um, so yeah, there's meat in there. There's I, I do want to read uh, H.J. Preller at H.J. Preller's question because I had no idea what the hell he's talking about. What are your gut feelings on the best cryptocurrency asset appreciation out of Zillica versus Tomo versus WePower? Yeah, and you know what? What what do you think about uh, cryptocurrency? Is this a cryptocurrency chat? I don't know what the hell cryptocurrency is. I, and that's why he asked the question to be a dick. So is that like I don't even I'm not even gonna say like is that like because I just don't want to sound like more of an idiot for not knowing. So here you go, HJ. Here's my answer to that. Since you want to be an asshole and throw your cryptocurrency out there, I'll go ahead and let everyone know. SD Marlin's big win this week, two to one, <laughs> <laughs> two to one over the Beavers. Uh, I was one for three. I got a double. I hit a home run, but it was called foul when it shouldn't have been. Uh, great outing by uh, Chris Lockhart, myself, and also Dustin Hall to get the win. Uh, man, great game, dude. Great game. Just real close, crisp, uh, crisp defense on both sides. Uh, quick play. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, SD Marlin, shout out. We're going to Vegas this weekend for Memorial Day tournament. So first time we'll be out there. So what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we uh, make it happen out there. But he also did have a pretty good question too that I thought was pretty funny. Was uh, if I can find it here, he said, uh, "Who would win the?" Where the fuck? Here it is. Who would win in a hashtag Golden Age of Pottery podcast Hunger Games? It's pretty good. You got any takes on that? Who would win on Hunger? Who's going to last the longest in Hunger Games? Well, let me see. I'll tell you the first motherfucker. Well, number one, I'm not going to win because if you've watched the Hunger Games, the minorities always die. Which makes no sense because I grew up in water, the. You I grew up in the. Oh, sweet revenge! <laughs> so how many times have you made a good joke when I'm drinking water and I died choking? Uh, so I'm funny. definitely dead. Okay. Uh, Charity can't run, so he's going to die. Yeah, but he's not part of the podcast. Oh, that's true. Well, he's a part of our podcast. Yeah, until I hang up on him. <laughs> You're going to get a dick punch later for that one. Yeah, true. Um, who? We'll, we'll put it this way. Who dies first? 
I'm going to say Marver's going to pull out his spreadsheets about why statistically he's not going to die, and then he's going to get hit with an arrow from behind because he's not paying attention. He's too busy arguing something that doesn't need to be argued. Okay. So probably him and probably him and H.J. Uh, Preller are going to die simultaneously arguing with each other. So Intelligence is going to get killed off first. We'll say them first. Okay. Um, I'll probably go... Let's see. Actually, you know what? I lied. Uh, maybe Gwintelligence goes second or third. I'm going to say uh, Bluntly Padres goes first because they're going to be too fucking toked out of their minds to realize they even need to survive. They probably won't even know they've been shot. <laughs> yeah, they're going to be searching around for things to smoke. So They're, they're going to go over there with their fucking bag of weed and hide behind a plant thinking they're camoed. Yeah. <laughs> Camouflage. So bluntly Padres, they die first. I tend to agree with that because yeah. they're going to be baked out of their minds. They're yes. not going to know what the hell to do. <laughs> and they're going to be running around screaming, Frederick Galvis! <laughs> Just putting a bullseye right on their back. So <laughs> they're dead first. Um, I think after that, a very close third after Matt and Matt both get killed, Patrick Brewer's done. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's coming after Patrick Brewer. So. Patrick Brewer is going to be... Uh, have you ever seen uh, Have you ever seen the Hunger Games? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. he's going to be... Uh, not Donald Sutherland, but the other guy with the weird beard. Oh, my God. That's the, He's not going to be down in there. Yeah. He's not going to be down Patrick, in there Patrick, you're done. I'm coming for you, pal. We're all coming for you. I think uh, the 805 West boys are right there. Yeah. Right afterwards, I think. Yeah. I, yeah, I think they'd be gone. So who would win, then? Who would Jesus. win? We, we won't go... Jesus we won't go Christ. over every single show. Who would win? Who's the most... You know what? The Hunger Games was about female empowerment. Probably Hell's Bells. Oh. Well, that's a very nice political answer. <laughs> yeah. So just for that, I'm going after them first. <laughs> I'm going after them first. And I'm saying, God I'm damn, not fucking with Liddy. Good luck. If it has anything to do with... Have you seen how Donovan walks? I'm not messing with Liddy at all. <laughs> not it, at all. If it has anything to do with hunger, Danny and I win. Yes. Right? Well, it's We're not, coming after it's not the Hunger Games buffet edition. <laughs> We're coming after all you. No, I, I, yeah, I don't care. We're coming after all you. We're gonna win. So, actually, I can't run that fast, and you're hurt. So, yeah, I've got I've got a bad hamstring. That's a great question. <laughs> we could do a whole podcast on this. So, we could. Yeah, um, Leisure Fire will be the uh, Let the Games Begin. <laughs> it could be the Donald <laughs> That'll be Leisure Fire. <laughs> Anyways, next question's from uh, at Papa Bark Ryan Barkley. Uh, will the Padres be in third place by the All Star break? Also, when can we trade Brad Hand, and where is his value what do you think first of all the first part of the question will the Padres be in third place by the all-star break I said I was never gonna bet Ryan again I like my chances on this so Ryan if you want to put a bet on this we'll figure out the odds on this or what we're gonna put up on this bet maybe we'll do a beer bet um yeah that might be a little bit better if you want to do a beer bet on this I guarantee and you can mark this tape I guarantee the Padres will not be in third place by the All-Star break. I don't have the financial uh, flexibility to bet anything of monetary value, but I will say I agree with you. I do not think the Padres will be in third place. I just the, the I don't think they're better than the Dodgers. I don't think they're better than the Rockies. I don't think they're better than the Giants. I don't think they're better than the Diamondbacks. That's what I can see because the Dodgers are scuffling even though they're really hurt. So I can see them hanging around fourth place. I don't think they're going to be in third place. I if really don't. the Padres, if the All-Star break comes along and the Padres are in third place, the first game after the break, I will take off my fucking shirt and run across the field. You so will see you. the titties bouncing up and down, and I will run away from all the elite security guys. If you guys, guys have ever seen Todd Coffey come out of the bullpen, just think of that, but topless. <laughs> There's no way that that's going to happen, dude. No, absolutely so, no way. So let me ask you this. 
does it matter if they're in third place? Like, what is it? Does that mean anything? No. No, it's it's a. It's, it means nothing. Yeah, I agree. Honestly, it's a failure if they're in third place. I, it really is because you're in that, as uh, good old Craig Elston put it, the murky middle. Yeah, and we're not gonna like. We're you want to know who the, the Padres are... draft, by the way, when they get in the murky middles? Spangenberg. They they drafted. <laughs> well, he was a top ten. They just want a safe pick because they had to sign him. But no, they draft the Chase Headleys, the yeah. Nick Hundleys, the Will Venables of the world. Those. Those highs, like, their overall number one picks are more like Lowers than they are, you know, Gores, because those are the guys available to them, you know, when you're in the 15 to 20 range. Yeah, and then he says, uh, when can we trade Brad Hand? Immediately? Um, I would <laughs> immediately. say, I would say, I wouldn't say immediately, because I think for... I wonder what his value is. I think that's a good question. I don't think it's what they thought it was last year. I think no. he's got some value. He's, I mean, he's got, you know, he's signed to the deal. He signed a long-term deal. The problem with relievers is that they're really volatile, so I wonder if teams are hesitant to take on guaranteed money. Whereas, like, let's say Tommy Canley blows out for the Yankees, right? They gave up some decent pieces for him. But let's say he blows out. What the hell with it? We just designate him for assignment, and then we're off the hook. Yeah? Right. Whereas with Brad Ham blows out, then you're stuck with him because he's on guaranteed money. Yeah, so but he's not making much money at all. It's still guaranteed money that you may not have to eat if you Man. didn't have that. And it's Brad Ham. I mean... It barely moves the needle. True. But you can also go find a Brad Ham anywhere. I mean, true. we found him. out there. He's a scrap heap pickup that used to be a starter. So, um, But honestly... For for a reliever, I'd wait till the deadline because I think you have a, I think you get a better chance of a team overpaying um, at the deadline when you know it's it's coming up. You know they got to make a move and they have an hour um, and you can maybe manipulate them into giving you a better package. I look at the Fernando Rodney deal. You know the Marlins were were quick. They wanted to make a move. They felt like they were hard pressed to make a move as soon as possible. And the Padres got Paddock out of it. So I know they traded him before the deadline, but actually traded him right before the All Star break. But right. um. I do think that the longer you wait, maybe the better off you are. I think you have to wait for a team that wants to make a move um, and feels hard-pressed to do so like the Marlins were. I think the closer you get to the deadline, the better off you are. Or maybe a team that sees an opportunity and wants to jump ahead of the curve, you wait for that as well. But I don't think until July is probably when you really start aggressively shopping him. And I really really do think he's going to get traded this offseason. I can see it happening. And I would be okay with that. I think the last one that we're going to do here, uh, for a couple reasons: one, we have Kevin Charity waiting. We have not, we did not bump him. Uh, and two, I, I gotta take a piss, dude. But well, well, let's get to one more question then. We're gonna get to one more question because you said you great. Touch we'll on do it. two more questions. No, no, one more question. Oh, I think you, I think you're gonna read the one that I was going to. So go ahead. Yeah. So this is from Carlos R at C underscore Los R. How does it feel to be blocked by Naylor? And a follow-up question. So uh, I guess one point, one more point A. Mm-hmm. Follow-up question. Why do you hate Josh Naylor, Eric? Yeah, so that's, I mean, first of all, Carlos just graduated last week from, I believe, uh, San Marcos. CSU Congratulations. Yeah, congrats to Carlos. Um, Josh Naylor. So we found out last Josh night. Josh Naylor. <laughs> Big Josh Naylor. Uh, we found out last night that he goes around, and shout out to, uh, I think it was Talia that found it out. He goes around, and there's no other explanation for this. He goes around on Twitter and searches his name. And if you say anything negative about Josh Naylor, he blocks you. That's so lame. He goes around and blocks you. First of all, if you're a prospect, what are you doing searching your name and blocking people like that? You can't find any better use of your time. Second of all, that is the biggest bitch move. The biggest bitch. And the Padre Twitter uh, poll for uh, Drunk Flannery, Rich, he won't have to put this one out because we already know the answer. The biggest bitch on Padres Twitter is Josh Naylor. He's the words. biggest bitch on Padres Twitter. Josh Naylor, you will never see the major leagues for the Padres. You'll never wear this uniform. You're going to be gone. I don't care what you're hitting in San Antonio. I don't give a shit. You're gone. You're gone. You go around on Twitter and you search your name and you block people. That's the biggest bitch move I've ever seen. Dan Cilio blocking half of San Diego thinks you're a bitch. <laughs> 
that? <laughs> who does that? Like, who thinks that much of themselves to go around and search your name and then... and I mean, if you search your name, fine. Okay? Maybe he's like, hey, I want to see what Kyle Glazer has to say about me. Yeah, that, hey, I, I, think, see... I think prospects do that a lot more than we give them credit for. Okay, that's fine. But then to go on there, oh, he said something mean... That's that's a term, and I hate I hate when people use the term because I think it's douchey. He's a snowflake. He's a snowflake. Josh, you know, a you bitch. know what he is, and this is coming from somebody. He's and a I'll, big bitch. And, and I'll be I'll be real here. I have high anxiety, and I am incredibly insecure. You can ask Eric; he'll be the oh, first yeah. to tell you. I am extremely insecure. It's just how my brain is wired, and I I you know worry. Oh, somebody's saying something mean about me, but I don't go fucking on Twitter wondering. Oh, I'm gonna block somebody the minute they disagree with me or say something that's unkind to me. Bitch move. I have had people on like uh, social media like dog me for my merits. Like, I mean, like as like a dagger. Like, oh, I don't like what you're saying. Five point five, Dan. <laughs> so I'm just gonna say you wrecked your marriage, you loser. And I didn't block those assholes. Really? When was that? It wasn't on Twitter. It's on a it's on a message, a baseball message, but sub forum, <laughs> sub forum. I I uh, I go on. Yeah. Yeah, so was, on a baseball sub forum, okay. Yeah. So I think Josh Netter's off the hook here. On a baseball sub forum, you yeah. went on there and, and cried about your marriage. No, so no, no, how no. How did they know that? No, no, no. I didn't cry about my marriage. It's it's a it's a larger forum, so there's different topics. Is this so, on Reddit? No, I'll, I'll tell you later where it's on. But it's okay. a larger forum where it's different topics. The it's comments on uh, Pornhub. No, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The comments on Pornhub. Okay. Here you go. Here you go, little brown bean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's just. But I mean. You know, you it's it was a there's a major league thread. There's other threads going on. So one of the threads I had mentioned, you know, people were talking about relationships. They're like, ah, oh, you know, this happened in my marriage. And so he was a Mets fan, and he constantly bitched about Daniel Murphy shitting on the Mets. Uh-huh. And then um, I told him, I'm like, dude, why do you like? Why do you get so invested? Like, okay, he signed with another team. I get it. Like, you're talking to a Padres fan. We lose all of our best players all the time. Gary Sheffield, Fred McGriff, who's on the Braves, crapping on us. Sheffield we get it. Was traded for Hoffman. <clears throat> I know. Sorry. I uh, uh, hot take. I said that was one of the worst trades in Padres history in one of our first episodes. Hall of Famer, indeed he is. Sorry, uh, go ahead. Both of them actually should be in the Hall of Fame. But uh, I, I was like, I don't, I don't get it. Like we have Adrian Gonzalez who's been crapping on us from L.A. this whole time, and now we have Rizzo on the Cubs who craps on us. Like it constantly happens to the Padres. Yeah. Like, and he got mad and said, I wasn't a real f- sports fan, but what would I know anyways? I couldn't even hold a marriage together. <laughs> <laughs> That's a mens rea level troll right it, there. It is, but to me, and, and don't get me wrong, I read that and I was like, oh, man, that, yeah. that, and this was like, you know, right after it happened, right? So, I mean, to me, I was like, oh, man, that really hurt. Yeah. I didn't block the guy. We still chit-chat and, you know, talk and everything. You, it's like, why do you have such thin skin? I'm the most insecure person I fucking know. And this True. guy's searching himself, blocking random podcast hosts on Twitter because they made a fat joke or maybe they made a knife joke. Well, you know what, Josh Naylor? No, it was neither. Whatever kind of joke it was, all I know is Josh Naylor, you should get off of Twitter because you can cut human beings, but you can't cut it on social media. Oh, look at you. Look at you. <laughs> so uh, Talia was able to find where I talked about Naylor, and he said, uh, or it was Dotseth. He said, oh, Naylor's doing well, this and that. I don't know where he fits. Something to that extent. I'm paraphrasing. And I commented, and I didn't even at him at all. So this is what tells you he's searching his name. Yeah. But I said, Stand by while I search for a single fuck to give about what happened. <laughs> You're Josh right. Taylor. I did actually see that. So he had to have seen that. He has to be searched his name. There's literally no other explanation other than him searching his name and, and blocking people. So I thought it was hilarious. I mean, I think it's hilarious. I think it's a bitch move. Um, and honestly, when I saw that, I'm like, hey, he's never going to be up here anyway. So I don't I don't care. And uh, Angela might not be too happy about that because she loves uh, Josh Naylor. But sorry. It's a bitch move. I don't care. 
Um, <laughs> let's. Uh, I gotta take a piss, dude. Let's go ahead and bring in uh, Kevin Charity here. Uh, Madfriars, Madfriars.com. Make sure you guys subscribe. It's I believe four ninety five a month. I think so. Five uh, bucks. Five bucks a month. Uh, drop the coffee and subscribe. Also, if you guys want team gear from the minor leagues, make sure you go to madfriars.com. They have a list of affiliates there. Uh, click th- on the affiliate that you want the team uh, apparel from, and it takes you to their store. So that way, Madfriars gets credit for it. So make sure you guys go on there, madfriars.com. We'll bring Kevin in in just a sec. All right, folks, we are back with uh, Mad Friars Big Shot himself, good old Kevin Charity, who uh, just broke the news after the Paddock interview, which you can catch at madfriars.com. Also follow them at madfriars on Twitter. Uh, Kevin, you got three new subscribers to Mad Friars after the Paddock interview with the Paddock last name. How does it feel to generate $180 of revenue for just a 10-minute interview? It feels so good right now. I like the feelings. <laughs> This is amazing. This is nice. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Kevin is clearly pumped and ready to go, so we're going to dive right into it. Uh, the big news going on early this week is that uh, Mackenzie Gore suffering yet again uh, the Rich Hill effect, another blister injury. Um, so this has been going on pretty much all year for him, Kevin. Uh, actually, Eric's pointing something out to me. Uh, the big question on everybody's mind, particularly Tyler Tranga at, at T-Time619, do we just cut the finger off at this point just to get him back on the mound? What do you think? Yeah, and you can call Mackenzie Four Finger Brown. <laughs> um, I like that. Yeah. Honestly, I, blisters are a weird thing. Um, I don't really – I know a lot of it with, like, Rich Hill apparently is that he, sw- he sweats so much and that, like, the moisture builds up in his hands and causes the blisters. I don't know if that's the same situation with Gore, but I think, you know – like I said, if he, he, he farts wrong and strains a muscle in his left ass cheek, they're gonna put him on the deal. They're gonna <laughs> they're gonna continue to kind of like put him in bubble wrap to make sure that he's not that everything's a hundred percent. I don't know. I think when you look at his numbers over this year, he you know got an ERA over ten and has struggled in most of his starts, but he's also showed swing and missed stuff. So I don't I don't know if it's like the blister problem is affecting performance and how bad it actually is. We haven't really received a lot of information on that, so that's something to watch in the, in the coming days. Um, for me personally, uh, I, I wouldn't, being that it's not like an elbow injury, he's not going on with like an elbow injury or an arm injury or shoulder problem or a muscle strain of any kind, I, I, I tend to believe it's pretty, it's pretty minor, but again, yeah, they're just probably just going to say, let's just give him the time. We don't want him throwing a ton of innings anyway. I would imagine he's going to, I would have imagined, like, I think he threw 98 last year combined with high school and pro, so they're probably not trying to have him throw more than 110, 120 innings. It's just kind of a way to to manage it while he did, you know, while he's not going out there and trying to perform when he's not at 100%. So as of now, I would say that it's a precaution and that people shouldn't really be super worried about it. Yeah, I, I could agree. But, I mean, you can understand, though, right? I mean, I don't know if you've seen Gore pitching with the blister, but – I mean, the look in his eyes, I feel like, you know, that could give a lot of Padre fans nightmares just seeing him throw with that. What do you think? Yeah, um, he, uh, so this is like something I heard at, at secondhand, but he was actually in this, like, boiler room before a start that they have at Parkview Field, 
and there was a, a burned up guy with a red sweater and a fedora that was chasing him because there was some, like, it was a nightmare type of situation where he was fell asleep and that's what was happening. <laughs> wow. Well, that's, that's very interesting. Um, let's, <laughs> let me start Kevin by saying, Hey, I promise I won't hang up on you this time. Uh, but with, with uh, Rich or Rich Hill, with Mackenzie Gore, do you see this being something that could possibly be long term for him, or is it just like, hey, shut him down, then the the blister is gone, or is it just going to linger around I don't forever? Know. I don't know. I mean, that'd be a really good question to ask, like you know, Sam Gainey or somebody that kind of looked at the injury, or I don't even know if you call it blistered injury. I think mean, it's an inconvenience, just to see if it's if there's something that he's doing or if it's like a grip thing if it's something that like biologically is happening because of whatever reason um it's something i'm curious about because i think this is the second or third time this year he's had an occurrence of, of a blister on his pitching hand um and you know as you can see if you know if you're a dodgers fan how frustrating he is over at hill who you know when he's throwing he's pretty dang good but he has constant issues with being with getting blisters i hope it's just something that's minor but it, i hope that's not something that affects him as he's projected to climb the ladder and you know again it's, it's something i just I, I need more information on it before i can make a call either way but i mean ultimately like i said going back to the concern if it's not an elbow issue if it's not a shoulder issue i i generally take it with a grain of salt yeah i i, I like that train of thought but the problem is if he has a blister and he can't throw then we're only doing nothing but delaying the inevitable elbow injury and Tommy John and surgery. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, mean, I don't know. I don't know if there's a correlation between not throwing and, and having those injuries because of the blister. I mean, maybe if something if he's stopping and starting, stopping and starting, maybe that leads to a strain. Um, but yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, I mean, I think people are going to worry about it because with the way this current regime and the rebuild or whatever you want to call it is going, is people are putting a lot of like a lot of their all eggs in one, in one basket. So that everybody's depending on Gore to be this like ace pitcher and development's not always, doesn't always go the way you want. It's always a linear thing. So I think the fact that he's only thrown eight or nine innings this year, whatever it ends up being. And the fact that he's not out there right now, um, I think people are going to be concerned about it. But again, I think you have to look at it from the standpoint of it's not something that's, a shutdown type of injury where he's going to have to not pick up a baseball for three or four weeks with the way that the, the DL works um, in, in minor league baseball, it's a seven day DL. So essentially they're skipping a start. And if everything goes right, then they can bring him back up for his next start. Um, and they can kind of go from there, but I haven't heard anything. And, you know, the, the tin caps are really the only team in the system right now that has a full-time beat writer. So, I would check the the, the Fort Wayne Journal Gazette for updates because the dude that the beat writer they have a new one this year I can't remember his name but he does a pretty good job of kind of pumping out information um, and then obviously when we have information we'll share it as well. Yeah, so basically let's let's not go too crazy worrying about it. Just kind of wait I, and I see. wouldn't, and I'm and I'm you know I I would I'm not as crazy as some of these people that like said oh it's a shoulder strain Tommy John or elbow problem Tommy John but like. I think you always have to look at any type of injury with a degree of skepticism because it seems to be a recurring theme of the organization. Um, you know, with Tommy John's, I mean, we haven't had a, a, a Padres prospect doesn't have a Tommy John 
you know, outside of Espinosa, you know, it hasn't been as frequent. So something has changed. It's better, but I think ultimately people are going to panic because they want this guy to be here and, you know, as soon as possible. And so there's always going to be a degree of concern and panic. But I, I think at this time, you just need more information. Yeah. So let's talk about a guy who was here before. We'll climb up the ladder a little bit. Um, we saved these these couple questions for you from our Padre Twitter segment. Padres Haiku, um, at Padres Haiku, he wants to know, uh, is Miguel Diaz actually good? So he's down in San Antonio now and um, haven't really heard much about him. Is is he actually good, Padres Haiku? Wants so to know? I, he actually just got moved to the AAA, so he's actually in El Paso now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so that was a couple of days ago, I believe. I don't think he was sent back. So I'm 99% sure without looking at the roster attorneys in El Paso. But, um, you know, looking at his numbers, uh, generating all this, you know, strikes, strikeouts, um, his command has been kind of up and down. He had a couple, his first couple of starts, he walked like three guys in like two innings or something like that. I mean, it's gotten a lot better. But I think, you know, he showed this, you know, that he's kind of famous for that, that, uh, is it a gif or gif, whatever you pronounce it? Like that he threw in the opening day last year, where oh, that, the ball cut. And he, uh, yeah, the guy, yeah, the guy throws like ninety-seven with movement um, and has a decent breaking ball. I think when you look at the guys that are kind of in that same development path, like obviously he's not a prospect because of his uh, of his uh, big movie time, but I think he's a guy that to me, at least what I saw from him last year, and it's really hard to judge him, is he's a bullpen arm. And when I have guys in the organization like Logan Allen and Chris Paddock, Cal Quantrill, struggles aside, um, kind of in that same group, I don't think he's as, as, you know, I don't think he's got as much potential as they do from a guy that can start. But I think he's a guy that if you squint hard enough, he's a, a guy that can be a power armor of the bullpen or possibly a back-end starter. But I haven't really seen any of his starts this year. Um, so I'm going kind of based upon what I seen last year, which I think is kind of unfair. But yeah, when you dive into the numbers, gets a lot of strikeouts. Um, you know, so I think he's a guy that is interesting, but I don't think he's necessarily going to be a big part of the team if and when the season gets good again. Yeah, it makes sense. I feel like he's an unknown um, commodity at this point. Cause yeah, I will. Was, I uh... will. Yeah, I will say that of the three guys I took in the Rule Five draft, I think he's the most likely to actually have an impact on the big league team, you know, going forward. Sure. That makes sense. I mean, saying much, but yeah. Yeah. As a reliever, I could see that because it's a little bit uh, lower of floor for him to hit. Um, in terms of uh, floors and ceilings, the big uh, question that's also going around because of how utterly dominant he's been since acquired. Um, when do you see Paddock getting moved up? Cause at this point he's putting up video game numbers in like Elsinore um, and he's picked up pretty much where he left off, maybe even better now that he has the curveball that he mentioned uh, in your interview, of course, at madfriars.com. Do you see Paddock being moved up in the next week? Cause what's left for him down there? Excuse me. I, I don't know. Um, I, I think at this point he's proven that he's probably too good for high, but I think uh, at the same time, he's also coming off an arm injury. And I think that maybe they just kind of want him to have some consistency. Um, and be in the same place for a minute. I would expect, um, typically around the All Star break, Fortune in the minor leagues is like you know right right after the draft. So that like second week of June, I think you'll start seeing some some shuffling. Um, you know, kind of laying laying out my predictions. I, I can see like Pat getting called up to Double A. I can see them maybe moving Logan Allen to Triple A. Um, you look at the Storm roster. I mean, maybe they, Reggie Lawson kind of had his worst start 
the other night, but maybe he's a guy that, you know, he's still extremely young. Maybe he moves up. But my guess for Paddock um, is I can't imagine him being in Elsinore beyond, like, June 10th. Um, that's that's the date that I, I would put down on the calendar. Now, if he goes out, I think he's slated for either Thursday or Friday, depending on how they move around the rotation. And, um, you know, Morahone was actually supposed to pitch tonight, but he got pulled uh, prior to, to the game for an undisclosed reason, like in the bullpen. They started uh, uh, Bologna, so I don't know if that throws the or rotation out of whack. I don't know if people get bumped back a day. My guess is that they would they would skip Morahone's start, obviously, and not have him throw for another six or seven days. But um, I could see him being promoted as soon as next week, but I think really you're going to see, I would say, like middle of June is when I, I think he'll get put up to double A. Now, when he does get promoted, because I think it's a, a, at this point, it's going to happen. It's just a matter of when. Um, when Paddock does get moved to double A, who do you see coming from Fort Wayne getting bumped into Elsinore to take his spot in the rotation? So I, I have trouble pronouncing this guy's name, so I think you know where I'm going with this, but Nick Mar- Margavicious. Right. Um, I, I need. I don't have the phonetics in front of me, but I mean, he is amongst the strikeout leaders in Fort Wayne. Um, in the Midwest League, uh, he's a college guy, so he's 21, 22. So he's, you know, age-wise, he's right on par with what you'd want to see. Elsinore, he's got an ERA, I believe, under three in Fort Wayne this year. He's been their best starting pitcher, hands down. Um, he's the most obvious candidate. Um, now, whether you go like, or, do they go organizational type? Or I, I mean, I think you know he's established himself as someone of a prospect. But you look at the rest of what's in Fort Wayne. Um, you know, Osvaldo Fernand- Hernandez threw really well today, six innings. Um, I think he had eight strikeouts in a loud run. They lost the game, one nothing in seven innings. Um, he's still, I think he's 20, 21 as well. So he could be a guy that maybe they, they give up. But I think um, and then maybe they go um, more of an organizational type arm, like a Ben Sheckler, who's a pitcher of their bullpen, but has started in the past. Um, but yeah, if I had, if I, you know, I, I, I would guess at some point what's going to happen is. The Dust Devils are going to open play here in a couple of weeks once the draft gets kind of going, and I can see um, maybe some some guys coming up uh, from uh, you know from Marge Marge is going up to like Elsinore and some of the other guys from there from like Extended Spring coming up to Fort Wayne as things kind of situate out a little bit. Um, but yeah, those are probably those three guys would be my best guess um, off the top of my head. So a guy who has. Uh made i I want to say two starts now down in uh, fort wayne uh first start completely dominant there was luis patino um completely dominant first start but then i heard today he got rocked in his second start yeah um what what do you have on patino for those who aren't aware of him quite yet um david j um when i actually went out to the arizona league and sat in 110 degree weather to watch him last uh last summer and you know he's not a big guy i think he's he might be listed at six six feet, I think, something like that. He's, he's a smallish guy, but he's a kid I sent out of Columbia for about like I think seven hundred grand, something like that. You know, decent size bonus. Um, but he throws like ninety six um, and has a pretty good pretty good off speed pitch. Um, he's eighteen, so I think you know again, the Padres are showing that they're aggressive uh, with these these younger guys. But he's a guy that has has a good arm and he has a good feel for his pitches, from what I've heard. I mean, he's a guy that, you know, when we looked at and kind of profile guys at the end of the season last year, um, he was the best pitcher that the Potters had in the Arizona League um, by far, really. Um, they didn't have a lot of 
starting a great starting pitching staff by any means. So I think he's a guy that, you know, um, is still very young for the league. Doesn't necessarily doesn't seem like he has the the frame that you want from a starting pitcher, but he can grow into it, and he's got room for growth. But um, I'm not ready to annoy into this guy's going to be a top prospect next year. But again, I think he he was a guy last year. Uh, that kind of narrowly missed my top 30. If I did a top 40, I think he would have been in the back end of that, like 38, 39. So as guys are coming forward, if he takes that next step, um, he's a guy that I think could be considered a like top 40 type of prospect or top 30 prospect for sure. Yeah, definitely potential there with him. You know, there's a lot of young arms in the system. That's very exciting to watch the, you know, the young men develop as they will. But um, with one guy in particular, before we let you go here, uh, 21 years old, he's off to a great start for San Antonio. You mentioned him, Logan Allen. Um, just me kind of thinking out loud here with them uh, moving Lucchese straight from Double A up to, well, essentially from Double A up to the pros. Is there any chance that we might see Logan Allen this year? Uh, my hot take is he will he will pitch in San Diego for the year is over. Yes. Wow. Um, that's my hot. Yeah. I he is so last start out twelve strikeouts six innings. I think he gave up two or three runs, but um, he's a guy that was always kind of viewed as that the steal uh, of that deal, the uh, Craig Kimbrell deal, and um, you know again he when you look at the prospect list he ranked ahead of Lucchese because. He has a little bit more extra on his fastball. So, you know, Lucchese, we've seen 88 to 91. Allen's more like 90 to 93, 94. Um, maybe even, I think he's touched 95 this year, too. Um, but he's a guy that has, you know, three pitches, knows, you know, has good command of them, um, has really good intangibles, too. I know he's, you know, he's, he's just a really good dude. And I think, um, the organization's really high on him. I think he's a guy that was a borderline top 100 prospect kind of coming in this year, and it would not surprise me, you know, service time aside, if he cracks, you know, all of the top top lists this year. Um, but I think when you look at start looking at, like, the minor league depth as they – because, I, I mean, assuming there's no injury, it's a foregone conclusion in my, in my mind that they're going to trade Tyson Ross. Um, maybe they find a pitcher for Clayton Richard. You know, somebody wants that. Um, so they're going to have to start, you know, and, and a guy get injured. So when you start looking at what they have in AAA, I mean, they have Walker walking on the 40-man, but he's not throwing the ball great. So you start looking down there, Quantrill, I think, has got problems of his own right now. Logan Allen, probably right now, in my mind, is probably your best option should you have to dip into the system to, to, to bring up a starter. Wow. So that's interesting. So your hot take is that you think that we'll see Logan Allen before the end of the year. My hot take, and I saw I saw this number on Twitter, so you know everything we see on Twitter is true. Um, the cutoff date for, <laughs> for Super 2 status would be June 2nd. My hot take is that we see Urias within 7 to 10 days after that. Am I wrong for thinking that? No, because I think, like I said, and this is something that I haven't backed up with like actual proof, but I think what they're ultimately looking for is him just to be a little more consistent. Um, just because he's been up and down his average. I mean, the thing is, is like in May, he, I think as of last night, he was hitting 239 in May where he still had an on base of almost 400 because he's walking so much. Um, he's striking out way more than he ever has. His strikeout rate's like 18%. So I think they just like to see him have a little bit more consistent at bats, be able to make more solid contact and consistent contact. Um, but I, I, again, you look at like what they have, and they have this like, Frankenstein infield with like it's Perel and it's a slide and it's Sandenberg and it's like 
I think, you know, for me personally, I, I, I would look at, like, June, you know, if that's a cutoff for Super 2, like, yeah, at some point in June, like, you've got to give him a shot. You know, and I even speculated, hey, let's just say they win a series in Washington. They go to the Dodgers and they win that series or, you know, and then they go home. They have, you know, in 13 games, they play the Marlins, I believe, six or seven times and the Reds three times. So if they go through that stretch and they get close to 500, you can make, and again, I'm not saying that they are, but you can make the case that they're a contender. So I know that Andy Green is a huge Urias guy. And so, yeah, if you have Jose Perella hitting 265 with zero home runs and not getting on base, and you have Spangenberg, uh, you know, striking out and can't get a bunt down, and Aswahi's already back at AAA, you know, reuniting that, that championship magical run of 2016. All those guys are down there. I was catching Margot, which is kind of sad. But um, he's a guy that, yeah, he's got to come up at some point just because you got to see what you have in him. And honestly, I think he's probably your best option at second base. Like, it's, to me, it's not even close in my mind. I mean, Perella is what he is. He's a utility guy. Spangenberg is a French major, league, major leaguer. Let's see what Arias says. Yeah, and I think everybody on Padres Twitter and anybody in the know what the prospects would 100% agree with you. Certainly, Eric, and I do. So, of course, Kevin, as always, we appreciate you taking time out of your busy Hollywood-laden day to join us uh, in between your Big Shot 1090 interviews. Um, do you got anything coming up on Mad Friars that you want to plug before we uh, hang um, up on you again? So, yeah, if you did it again, I'm seriously going to friggin' uh, give you guys each a mushroom stamp right on the forehead. <laughs> um, so, go uh, Google mushroom stamp, guys. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so I believe I think Marcus or, or David J. Um, I, I, there's a, we had a Josh Naylor interview up today. I haven't had a chance to read it yet because I've been at work. Um, but I, I, one of those two guys, so, so they're the only candidates that were in San Antonio. So there's a Josh Naylor interview up that just came out today. Gross. Um, so, um, <laughs> what do you say? Gross. <laughs> yeah, I'm well, just kidding. I'm surprised it made the cut. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, Jesus Christ, so he's never gonna live that down. Um, Not now. Yeah. So, so yeah, he's he, you know look at his numbers. He's cut above the rest of the Texas League, but no. Um, Have you seen his slash line? All right, that's another. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, he, you know, so that would be a really good interview because you know he's a guy that's obviously had a had a breakout year this year um, with his power and plate discipline and all that good stuff. Um, probably at some point in the next day or two, I'll. Um, I, I pretty much have to transcribe a few parts of uh, the Buddy Reed interview I did a couple weeks ago up um, and ready to go. Um, I don't know what else is going to be on the schedule, but, you know, um, David Jay will, I'm sure, have more stuff. He was in San Antonio. Um, I believe Connors is going to Fort Wayne in a couple weeks, and then Travis has been really uh, killing it with the Fort Wayne coverage. I think his coverage has, has been great. Um, and, you know, he's been a huge, like, you know, big time asset to our site so um yeah i think i think in the next couple of days you should still have plenty of content our goal is to have four or five you know articles a week outside of the, the recaps to you know actually get people give people a reason to subscribe you know so uh, yeah I think there's definitely going to be some more stuff coming in the next coming days for sure at least i can i can confirm um that i'll have something so yeah Good. 
Well, yeah, well, we will all look forward to that. So, uh, as always, Kevin, we appreciate you coming on, and uh, we'll check in, check in with you next week. Uh, we meant to ask you a little bit about the uh, draft talk there, because I know Leisure Fryer wanted to know about it, but uh, we'll get into that next week for him and all of our all of our listeners that want to know about the draft. Yeah, we appreciate you coming. Yeah, on. yeah, like the draft too is one of those things where, um, not to ramble on it too much, but like it's just always interesting to me because it's probably the least like entertaining in the draft because we don't really know who these guys are, but yeah. you know, it's always kind of fun to see, you know, where the Padres are going to go. My guess is high school arms, but you know, there, there is, they're going to have some options at the top, top of the draft for some talented players. Um, and so I think, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of excited to see, you know, who, who gets added to the system. Cause you know, it, it's crazy because they could still have a top system in baseball and not even have a draft this year and still maintain like depth and stuff. So it's just adding kind of onto the, it's like putting a cherry on top of a Sunday. So it's, that's part's exciting for sure. Yeah, definitely. Well, we'll get into that next week, man, but we appreciate you coming on, dude. Take care. Zip it up and zip it out. <laughs> Zippity doo out. Bye bye. No, you hang up. No, no, you hang up. Okay, I'll hang up. Oh God! So good times by Kevin. I want to make I want to make sure that we did not hang up on Kevin this time. So um, yeah, good times by him again. Uh, Leisure Fire. Sorry, we meant to ask him about the draft, but we got sidetracked talking about his blister for Mackenzie Gore. So um, we'll check on uh, next week about the draft. Uh, anything you want to say to our listeners before we go, Danny? No, of course. As always, thanks for tuning in. We really appreciate it. I think our Padres Twitter segment is probably my favorite uh, bit yeah. that we've come up with. So. Um, again, you can uh, tweet us. We've got the at five five podcast now. I think that's yeah uh, at five five yeah. podcast. That's our Twitter handle. Um, America's Finest Digital dot com. We're working on the website. I know it's a disaster. Um, <laughs> Google Play, SoundCloud, iTunes, uh, Stitcher, basically wherever you listen to podcasts will be there. Um, yeah, we appreciate you guys listening. Any feedback for us? I'm on Twitter at miserable sd fan. Danny's on Twitter at five point five Dan. I'm single. Tell your friends. <laughs> He is single. Tell all your friends. Don't expect anything of value out of that, pal. (laughs) Of course not. I can't wait to see what turns up. Yeah, nothing much. (laughs) We'll check in with you guys next week. We're out of here.